Hey, hey, you mustn't breathe a word of this to anyone. Line. You missed your line. <laughs> I actually did that deliberately. I, it was it was meant... Anyway, because I was too enthralled with your opening sequence, <laughs> building up to it. Hey, listen to this. You And you mustn't breathe a word of this to anyone. Never, never. I heard there was this show, Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends, hosted by Sabrina Ray, and... Never, never. <laughs> <laughs> never more. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah, so that won't make any sense if you haven't seen episode 9 of Paranoia Agent, which we'll be covering today on Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. But if you haven't seen it, then what the heck are you doing listening to this episode? Go watch the show, then come back and hang out with us. Are you ready to go? question should one is it necessary that one watch the episode before listening to the podcast i would argue that you are definitely enhancing your possible enjoyment it's probably difficult to understand some of the places we go but we are a pretty comprehensive podcast where if you didn't even watch the show you might get some idea of what it's about and our thoughts on it at the very least from just listening to us blab about it i think we're good that way so yeah, if you want to like not watch the shows we, we talk about and just come in and trust our interpretations of them. Yeah, if, if, I mean, if you're like, oh, this isn't working for me, you know, we can we can help you out there. You just, just don't go in front of the Supreme Court and <laughs> swear on a Bible or any kind of official document that what you are saying about Paranoia Agent is 100% factually accurate. I, I struggle to define a situation where that might occur. Yes, well, that's because you haven't been to the Supreme Court lately, have you? You got me there. (laughs) I have not been to the Supreme Court lately or ever. I want to get into the show, but uh, Don, what kind of stuff have you been up to? What have you been watching? Did you finish Inuyasha ever? I did finish Inuyasha. I finally finished Inuyasha. It was interesting. I... The... I mean, it is very repetitive and gets quite boring, but it was interesting to see where they took it. I was glad to actually complete it. And I did not watch the follow-up, you know, Inuyasha's um, daughter or whatever. I watched about three or four episodes and I just moved on. I don't know. It didn't grab me immediately. Uh, I have been watching, uh, or last night I embarked on WandaVision and I was very pleasantly surprised. Uh, Oh, I love WandaVision. I'm very much liking it. So, um, and in fact... Were we not podcasting right now, I could easily convince my wife to be sitting down and finishing the available episodes that exist. Well, you can do that right after the show's done. Unless we get into an argument about WandaVision for hours. Uh, But I don't think we will, because it sounds like we're on the same page. Yeah, let's not do that. I did finish season two of um, Broadchurch. Broadchurch, (laughs) And uh, in the interim, also, uh, Ying watched uh, Bridgerton, of which I watched some of it, and... Uh, we poked I love fun Bridgerton at too. There, there's there's some um, surprisingly big gaps in logic on the part of some of the participants in in the Bridgerton universe. Um, so there was that, and then no, there aren't. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> not even going to dignify it. I'm going to move right on. Uh, we also watched what was it? Um, something the Winx Saga. Uh, what is it? Yes, Fate. Yes, I told fate. you about this. 
No, you okay? Now you did mention it, um, but I also gritty. gritty Reboot. (laughs) No, I I, got to hear where you're going with this. It's a gritty reboot of a children's animation that my daughter and I watched called Winks, um, in which it was. It's an Italian cartoon, super colorful. uh, (laughs) Oh, lots of colors, you say. Yeah, they, it's a completely muted palette. They have they have sparkly wings. There's a there's a fairy called Tecna, who's a technology fairy. I've been over all this. You you have been. I it she did has not have the bloom, same resonance. She has a blue bunny, a blue bunny that makes all sorts of weird cartoon faces, and it and is just uh, the specialists are a bunch of meatheads. Uh, they really are. Like I and I I was constantly being like so. If this is supposed to be a school for fairies, what? Where did the specialists come from? They don't have any fairy powers. No, so, they're like the knights. Yeah, but like any old person can be a specialist. Like it's not like you have to be born of fairy blood or whatever. No, yeah. Well, I think that they're probably a lin- they're probably it's probably a lineage. No. Well, for a while I was like, hey, you know. All the fairies are women. And then we were like, no, wait, that's not quite true because, um, what, Ivy, or that's not her name. Somebody's brother, who is also the boyfriend of the chick with, um, purple yes, eyes. Tara's, Tara's yeah. brother? Yeah, so he's the, as far as I can tell, he was the only male fairy to make a, an appearance. There um, are other male fairies, but they seem to be a different type of creature than like a than a humanoid type but in the show they're not so i don't know how to explain that yeah and the the specialists really uh <laughs> really defied quite a bit of logic for me and i also was like why would the specialists are nothing compared to the fairies so why would you even bother having them around it's like they'd be better termed as manservants they should learn the finer arts of cooking or something yes well I was a huge fan of Riven, who was just an after-school special come to life. He was just like, let's go do some drugs. Yes, he really was. I also, they were and quite cavalier. Yeah, and Well, but also, let's have a bunch of sex. Not that they, they allude to it, but they don't actually, it's not they a Bridgerton. Right. I would love a Bridgerton treatment of Winx the Fairy Saga. Um, yes, Bridgerton has like four episodes in a row that are just like, complete soft horn sense. yeah i mean it's it's pretty I mean, they much come from a romance novel it's it's like silk stockings dialed up two more notches so I not not cop- watched silk stockings other oh, than that intro i mean but the intro was divine i mean it, this it, is, this it is, defined this a genre is world man <laughs> well that's because your parents paid for cable and you could just turn on cinemax meanwhile i had to settle for silk stockings on whatever budget cable package my parents had. I mean, I don't want to unpack my shit too much on the show, but I was not attracted to any of this stuff. All right, well, that's very fair. I was Um, just pretending. Well, I'm saying if you were going to pick something, Silk Stockings was a good one to go for in terms of it. I think Silk Stockings is based on the intro, which showed a woman like rolling Silk Stockings up her legs. Rolling Stockings up her legs and like, you know, very pneumatic breasts and all this new bioflesh breasts is pneumatic we need to move on well i don't uh, I, I would this rather this episode <laughs> my goodness uh 
we were talking before the show and you actually told me you didn't you weren't super enamored with this one but again like last week i think that this series really excels when it goes really far out there like tales of paranoia you know uh and this episode has very little to do with the sort of ongoing story of lil slugger and uh, so this is this is the pulpy paperback version of the the um Tales from the Crypt. This is the yeah, Tales from the Crypt version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, like it, an and it absolutely series. is. Um, I, I This episode, I have less quibble than ones we may discuss later. Um, but it felt, it did feel both either like a Tales of the Crypt or in parts it felt sort of like a flashback. Like, oh, here are other things that happen. <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing that one of the things that you really liked was the interplay among the um, the gossiping housewives in I the really square. did. I really did like the interplay. I loved the ending, which I think I, I want to save for a little bit later when we discuss through all, like when we set up all the characters for all those people watching who've never seen the show and don't know what a TV is. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a little unfair. I mean, in order to watch this, I, I like had to, you were like, you have to go on Funimation and create an account, which is not a difficult task. Don't get me wrong. But like all the, it's like, if you, you want specific, well, no, it's just that if you want media, it's like you have to go down some rabbit hole. You can find any media, but you have to go down the rabbit hole first. That is not untrue. So as you were talking about, uh, this episode is about gossiping ladies. And again, it feels like the series is confronting something very Japanese, but I think it's also kind of universal. Um, But sort of the neighborhood gossiping ladies who have a hierarchy, who would sort of like project their entire, it's kind of like a power hierarchy where like, you feel like they have a little fiefdom of their own, right? Where certain ones of them are anointed and other ones are sort of like new disciples and they're not supposed to step out of line and they're supposed to toe the line and, and keep everything like, um, keep the status quo. And we have this young upstart, young bride, Kamohara-san, uh, who that's, that's the name of a fish. If you're, if you're curious readers, uh, listeners, um, you know how every character in the series has like a name that goes along with some animal or yeah. So this one is a fish. Um, and they're, they're, they're telling stories about little, these little encounters that they heard about through hearsay or through the grapevine about little slugger, like and they become increasingly ludicrous. So the first one is probably the most believable, um, but it's still, fantastic and it takes place with another japanese trope uh another thing that was very prevalent when i was there that was a uh, something that people would like cluck about on late night show on, on news broadcasts ah uh, the clucking you know they'd be like oh what's to be done about the japanese youth who are going to juku and going crazy because of the pressure i'm sorry juku is a, juku's like a night school but it's for like middle to high school so like in order to get into a good high school or a good college i've alluded to this before but in order to do that you have to pass these exams and they're general knowledge exams but the general knowledge of the general knowledge exams is so freaking specific that it basically requires rote memorization and the big criticism of it is that if you rotely memorize is that a word rotely 
I we know what you're getting if at. If you commit to rote memorization over sort of like understanding and learning something through context and and through experience, you're basically like making people pass some kind of arbitrary bar rather than actually teaching them things. Right. It's not it's not as if they can use this knowledge to do anything. They simply know all the formulas by heart. Exactly. And that's as you can as you can see when you watch the episode, that's sort of what they're criticizing slash poking fun at. I don't know how to exactly say it. It's kind of a horror movie, though. It is. A, and that's why the, the reference to the Crypt Keeper or whatever it is, like the, the it's a very um, and I actually really liked this first little vignette. It's uh, both comedic and horrific at the same time. And it seems very tangential to little slugger in some ways like it's it's its own little play yeah so the kid is is in that sort of pressure cooker of the night school of the night school or the extracurricular learning and he's like he's cracking under the pressure it would seem and in the story that the woman is telling that one of the gossiping women is telling he's leaking (laughs) facts like they were like uh, drips of snot from his nose and they're falling on the stone and stuff and making a clacking sound and like they're physical items that are leaking from him and he's worked so so very hard to memorize these things and to suddenly have them just like leaking everywhere leech out of his body yeah. yeah to be losing them all that's the worst nightmare of someone in that situation. And it feels like a nightmare. And he's Uh, trying to cram them back into his body by eating them, which is really weird. And he's in the bathroom with them in his hands and he's eating them. And then he, he sneezes in there and a huge pile ends up on the floor and he gets on his hands and knees and starts eating off the floor, which is horrific. (laughs) And then his dead body is found. and, And the last thing on his forehead is just the word bat. And it's so cheesy and so bad, but everybody rolls with it. Um, And then they suggest that in reality, likely this boy who they actually have some connection to committed suicide or died of stress or some kind of like stress of like connected, some kind of activity connected to the stress of being stuck in that pressure cooker situation. Yeah. I mean, it's quite, quite miserable to, to be in that sort of experience focusing entirely on studying no no outlets no no anything but i want to get back just briefly to the to the gossiping ladies oh sure um they're in the whole episode so you can bring them up at any point well i mean this is what happens one of them tells a story they all sort of chirp about it and then another one says oh i've got a story as well and they're also they're trying to connect these stories and they're often connecting them to other people in the complex and the complex is huge actually they're in the courtyard of you know what looks like several thousand tenant rooms oh yeah yeah and you know i what's interesting is they're still using flip phones there's not as much of a presence of the internet like that is everybody's culture like the women are totally in everybody's business that's yeah, entertainment that's very very astute that observation I think so. I think they're in everybody's business and they're using their powers for evil. (laughs) It's the most benign level of evil there is, but it's evil nonetheless. I completely agree. 
Yeah. Um, what I really liked, and you brought this up, was that sort of like mantra that they have going where they're like, you mustn't breathe a word of this to anyone. Oh, we won't. We won't. When, of yeah, course, yeah, like yeah. this is this is exactly what they're talking about. Like they're breathing it to each other right now. Yes, it's it's almost like a it's, they're almost like witches and it's like a spell or it almost feels like you're on Broadway and they're building towards that like big song, you know. Um, the next story that they tell is about a young bride who has inherited the care of her elderly mother-in-law and they're both vying for the, her son's affections. Uh, the mother-in-law just isn't letting go and she's like, she's kind of got a vice grip on her son who who is a sort of typical, I'm, I'm guessing based on the context that he's a typical Japanese businessman. He stays out late at night. He doesn't come home often. And he's left his wife, his new wife, alone with the mother-in-law who whose house they're living in. This is not an untypical or an atypical situation for a Japanese uh, person to be in, for a Japanese woman to be in who marries into, who marries a... A Japanese businessman. Who marries a Japanese businessman or who marries into a family that would have that kind of familial setup. I I did find, yeah, this... And I've, I've heard about this, you know, from many different angles... Um, from talking to you, from um, actually my sister's husband who was married to a Japanese woman and and she actually wanted him to behave like this. She wanted, like, she didn't want him at home. She wanted him to be out, like, working and then presumably taking his spare time elsewhere and, like, she would have the house to herself. Like, that was what she wanted and there was actually a fair amount of tension when he came home. <laughs> Which is why the marriage did not last. Um, That's interesting. I also would add that, like, I think it works like that, especially once the children come along. I think in the early days, at least, there's a little bit more harmony. Well, and I would also... that situation specifically, but... I would expect that newlyweds would want to be together, and also that wives without children would be bored out of their minds just sort of waiting around at home for their husbands to come home um but then you're absolutely right you know once you have kids like there's more than enough to do and you relish any sort of free time you might be able to get your hands on right um but they can't have kids because the mother-in-law won't give them a second to get you know procreate in the bedroom i feel like that's an obstacle that can be overcome and is often overcome uh, <laughs> by just doing it on top of the mother-in-law, I agree. Not I agree. on top of, I mean, but I suppose if that's your only option. Uh, Don't mind me. I'm just going to stay down here and use my mortal mortar they, and pestle. They weren't in the same bedroom, were they? Maybe they were. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. No, probably not. I was being facetious, but it it would like she's not a very She's not a very, like, easy person to forget is no, there. No, no. But I did love the dynamic of, the in order, they both attempted to curry favor with the husband, who we never see, um, yes. by, you know, talking sweetly to him, throwing themselves at his mercy, pretending they're the aggrieved party. Um, I, I did like that dynamic quite a bit. I did too, and it escalates so rapidly. Yep. I love that they're able to tell the entire story in 
I don't know, five minutes. <laughs> and uh, it's incredibly like enthralling in that it, it just keeps escalating. Yeah. So like she tries to get her husband to come home for her birthday and the mother's like, oh, just don't worry about a silly birthday. You've yeah. got more oh, it's important okay. things to do. You don't have to remember all of her birthdays. Which is right. <laughs> such a passive-aggressive thing to say. Was that the was that the English translation? Yeah, that's what it was. Great. I love English localizations. I've grown so fond of them, especially through you. Um, so, what is but, the what's the Japanese uh, version of what's said? A birthday here or there, basically. So, like, like it's not all of the birthdays so much as it is like if you forget this year, there's always next year. You have more important things to do. That kind of thing. Um, but she can't even let her have that. So she gets her a present, a mortar and pestle. And she complained at the beginning about her making the food or buying the food in instead of making it herself. It, it was fish uh, fish balls. Fish balls, yeah. She and got pre-made fish balls. It was, it was not clear that they were actually pre-made or that... Um, I thought it was clear. It that she was, used something that wasn't like done by wasn't hand. homemade. Yes, the implication was that um, that the mother-in-law is telling the truth that it is store-bought and therefore of inferior quality, um, <laughs> and the mother-in-law. Um, oh, she pays for it. I love the fact that when she tries to attack her with the pestle and she loses it, the mother-in-law automatically puts the bowl on her head like this has happened before. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a good uh, a good second. So I did like that story. I confess. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. Well, then Kamohara, feeling the feeling the momentum, throws caught her up, caught up in the vibe. Throws her hat in the ring, and her story starts out well enough. It's you know it's typical horror movie setting of like a woman who's vulnerable because she's pregnant and. Uh, a mistake at the pregnancy like she's having an in vitro fertilization i believe and there's a mistake at the at the clinic and she's gotten dna from someone else or dna or uh, you know, <laughs> semen she's gotten semen from someone else well no, not so, just that but her the embryo is not hers oh the embryo is not hers right, the, the I, egg is not it's or not maybe it's egg. the egg isn't hers but the semen is her husband no, it's they they've implanted the wrong embryo. Okay. In the wrong that's right. so they they've swapped out the people and the wrong embryos in each place and as a result um <laughs> go ahead take us in. It's not her child, but the the doctor and mortified by the mistake performed by his staff has threatened them with severe they've threatened them with death if they ever reveal the secret and forced them to burn the paperwork. And now every time she talks about her baby um, the doctor is sweating bullets. He's like, yes, it's your baby. Um, <laughs> your babies. And then she goes into some sort of um, uh, false labor or is otherwise suffering a lot of pains. Um, and he keeps screaming that it's her baby while doing an ultrasound. And what does the ultrasound reveal, Sabrina? <laughs> it's almost too it's almost too ridiculous to put into words but it's the 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 baby's shape is like it it's a it's like holding a golden bent baseball bat basically so it's it's meant to be a little slugger in the ultrasound and 
the ladies upon hearing this go crazy. They're just like, what is that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it really doesn't fit into the trope of Lil Slugger. Like, yes, there's a lot of tension, but the baby would not morph into Lil Slugger. It would be like the doctor would snap or in principle or, you know. Right. She was she was in a good direction, but she's, she missed the landing there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she pays for it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about these next ones a little bit more generally. But the next story, I mean, it's just as ludicrous as her story because it is directly lifted from The Last Leaf by O. Henry, which was written in 1907. <laughs> and she rightfully calls it out. I mean, maybe not everyone knows this story, but it is a super famous story. Like it has been, it is, plays have been made about it. Movies have been made about it. It it's, is. It's made the rounds. Yes, it, it is about a, a painter who falls in love with a girl who's in the hospital, and he goes out in like a, a storm or something like that, or he stays out all night and gets hypothermia and dies because he's he's attempting to paint like one last leaf on uh, on a branch to give her like hope or whatever it is. I think of it as like, like the last. She says the last leaf when the last leaf, leaf falls. falls then I too I shall pass. I too shall pass, yeah. I, I mean, it, to me, it's uh, short, like the gift of the Magi, you know, a classic that is just known well around. But, but anyway. If you were to, like, take Little Slugger and have him be Jesus in that yeah. scenario. But, like, where does Little Slugger come into the story of... Uh, oh, my God. It's, it, is a, it is extremely funny when he arrives... And he shows up in the girls. If you know the story and how serious it is and how kind of beautiful it is. Like the guy's painting the last leaf and he looks over and he sees little slugger in the sick woman's room. (laughs) And little slugger presumably kills her. Then he falls off the ladder out of shock and lands and dies. And the old ladies are like, well, at least they died together. I know. And it's like, but, what this isn't this is not a little slugger-esque like she was dying of cancer you don't need a little slugger to get involved like that's not where little slugger is going to show up no and i don't know if kamohara threw off their whole like their whole vibe and now they're just struggling to come up with these stories but it keeps going around like a round robin and the next woman tells a story about baseball which i had i don't really know that much about baseball but a pic a pitcher seems to be getting conflicting uh, orders from his teammates as to which kind of pitch he should throw, and the ju- and the juxta of it is that he just basically gives up, and there's little slugger in front of him. Yeah, that uh, little slugger batting the ball, which then, what I mean, I mean, it's kind of well, I mean, little slugger then. It's a little too obvious. Yeah, so then what? Like, like, but he doesn't kill the. I mean, the the pitcher. Like wouldn't die because little slugger is batting. <laughs> no, it it has no ending. But no. Uh, everyone knows it. Kamohara thinks that maybe this time for sure she can call out someone in the group to get her like to get her own mojo back. Like she's been shamed, and she's trying to figure out how she can recover from that. So she calls out this woman. And she is thwarted by their solidarity, which is so gross. All the women fall in line and they're like, oh yeah, I saw that on TV. Pretty sure I saw that. 
it was a famous story. And she's ostracized again. Now, this reminds me of when we all used to stand around the schoolyard and talk about the dreams we had the night before. Like, everybody would be telling their dreams and they'd get to, like, the third person and you'd be like, is that person really telling a story about dreams or are they making up a story? But as long as it was credible enough, it was okay. But then you got to me and I had no ability to lie at all. Um, I would just like make up the most dumb shit about Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees. Nobody would like what I was saying. It was the worst. Have you ever had a situation where you feel like the, the, the odd man out? There was one notable experience. I mean, certainly in my teenage years, there's probably more of them than I can count. But um, I did some work, some pro bono work for this uh, women's organization in Chicago. And at one point I was at a board meeting uh, and I was in my mid-20s and I'm the only man in the room. And there's a bunch of women and they're talking about all and one of them makes some sort of joke and the joke is very clearly at the expense of men and everyone around the table starts laughing and i'm just there you know doing whatever it is i'm doing and i remember very specifically being like okay so that that's what it's like if you're a woman and you're full of room of men and they make a joke at women's like it was i mean it was very like it was not whatever it was was not particularly funny one way or the other <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember the joke, but I remember being specifically like, huh, that there is no way, like, I, I, I wouldn't even force laughter in this circumstance. To be like Kamohara in that situation, you would then go ahead and try to tell a joke about men. Yes. At the expense of men. And unless it was the exact same flavor of joke that they were telling, you would end up in a similar situation, perhaps. Um, so... The things just things just spiral out from there. There's this friendly, overweight man that greets the ladies, and he seems so nice. But this is where that sort of toxic, like, neighborhood gossip comes in that you were referring to before. Uh, they keep asking, like, when did he get so fat? Because according to the story they tell, he used to be a boxer. I have. It is such a weird story. It's a very. I mean, it's not even a story. Honestly, <laughs> it's like. It's a weird vignette where you see him like at a bantam fighting weight and he's all thin and throwing punches and he's out on a run. And then almost every like it's like a, a Goldilocks parable or something. I don't know. He's like he stops at a place and there's food and a temptation and he overcomes it usually by weirdly boxing, boxing the food it. as opposed to just <laughs> leaving it or ignoring it. And then finally he reaches the the point at which he can no longer resist his temptation at the last table, which is a huge feast that's spread out. And who who has set out this feast? Who is there to greet him when he reaches this table? Why, it's... Little Slugger. It's He's behind everything. He was at the JFK back. assassination. And yet, <laughs> so, so his whole thing was causing this guy to get fat? Like, that was the, that was the outcome? Lee Harvey Oswald missed with the bullet, and Lil Slugger is just like, I'm going to take a bullet, put it on my bat, and then knock it into his head. It's just, he's behind everything. Well, that, I mean, that's really kind of 
the theme here. It's the what can we is going him? on. We're we're looking at if from an anthropologist's point of view, these Ooh. women are trying to um they're trying to sort of connect with each other and they're relating anything and everything odd to Lil Slugger and attributing to him all the sort of evils of society. And interestingly enough, if you take this and project like, you know, think about it how you might you might use like you know, communism is the reason that such and such is happening. Oh, these people are doing bad things. You know, it's just kind of taking whatever the the scare du jour is and applying it wherever you can possibly wedge it in. Um, even though Lil Slugger is supposed to be a single individual who goes around terrorizing people, now he's like making people fat and he's, you know, doing all sorts of things that make, like, we didn't, we glossed over the the island one <laughs> the, the <laughs> desert island one like what was that that had nothing to do with anything uh the desert island one that was interesting because the island is basically that single palm tree island from the far side comic where the comically uh emaciated old like emaciated man with a long beard and he looks out into the ocean and just sees like a little slugger's bat and thinks it's a, uh, a periscope of a passing submarine. There's no point to the story. No, it's, it is literally nothing. It is a handful of nothing. she also gets cut off as she tells these increasingly dumber stories too. But, and yeah, so there's one with politics. I didn't really like, we don't have to get into that, but there's one with like a politician and, and it's like, the drama is not the kind of drama that Little Slugger gets plugged into. In well, fact, the the style of anime changes. Well, but what's interesting about that one is that at least the person that Little Slugger attacks is not the politician boss, but the guy who the politician boss tells him to go get Little Slugger. The politician boss says to his flunky, like, go get me Little Slugger. You know, they're, they're going to get me. I, I need this person. And the guy's like, whoa. Uh, what do you mean you what do you mean you want me to get little like this little slugger doesn't this isn't the situation for little slugger the guy's like you gotta get him this is this is what he's for and you know he's increasingly freaked out so there at least is the situation where you know at least consistent with prior stories little slugger is there to provide release what about when little slugger destroyed the challenger rocket I mean (laughs) whatever that was supposed to be (laughs) yeah so there are but then, do you want to bring us to the end of this particular episode? Which uh... oh yeah, that's my favorite part. Uh, the end of the episode, which I mean, we're we're just on time right now. But like the end of the episode is my favorite part because it just shows that this was never about like this was never about actual concern of any kind. This was all about just trying to like get ahead of the other ladies in the in the pecking order and. Kamahara returns home after basically having all of her like attempts t- uh, to tell a little slugger story blown up like that rocket. She c- returns home to find her writer husband has been beaten down. He's on the floor. He's bleeding from the head and he claims that it was little slugger. And her reaction is not to help him or call an ambulance, which is what he's asking for. Her reaction is to try to get the story out of him so she can go and tell the other ladies. She's delighted. Yeah, it's a very nasty ending. (laughs) But I thought it's very in line with the kind of uh, anthology that Paranoia Agent is. And uh, 
I think talking with me, maybe you're getting more excited about this one. I mean, certainly we've had one of our most lively discussions about this episode. Well, okay. So where do my reservations come in? So it fits in the larger theme of paranoia, but it felt like I, I really like the idea of sort of a plot progression. You know, what? how does this advance the little slugger like to me it's it's a it's a bunch of gossiping housewives and and there doesn't seem to be any thread of truth and there's no like further insights into what is little slugger or where little slugger comes from it's just it just is what it is but what if okay so we have a couple different versions and theories of what little slugger is right now right uh, little Slugger is clearly not entirely made up. Um, clearly something is affecting these people in a physical sense and a mental sense. There was a copycat, but that doesn't mean that there was necessarily like an actual guy going around on golden roller skates who looked, who happened to look exactly like that kid. Instead, it seems like Little Slugger is what, Don? Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so tell me what you think Little Slugger is at this point in the series, and I will tell you how I interpret this episode. How I think it's my best understanding of what Little Slugger is is a um, a phantasm that has been sort of summoned in principle by um, Sukiko. What's the name of our protagonist? Sukiko. Sukiko, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, it's been summoned by Sukiko, uh, and now is sort of existing in a life of its own. I, there is a connection to Moromi, but I don't know what it is yet. I won't discuss that part, but I will say that if what you say is true and it is a phantasm that's been summoned, isn't it possible that we've been watching as rumors and shared Um, gossip and stories and things heard in the wind have sort of formed and evolved the character to the point where he didn't start out with a crooked bat. He later has a crooked bat, things like that sort of like um, came to us later. And I I think he had the crooked bat before, but anyway, keep going. If, if he's growing in power and influence and spreading to people, finding out that they sort of that these rumors spread through this network called gossiping. Sure, neighbor I, I, ladies. I absolutely hear what you're saying. Like as as it's an interesting as layer. Shonen Bats legend grows, so too shall his power. Yeah. But it's not clear to me that that is what's causing Shonen Bats power to grow. Little Slugger's power to glow. It's it, it's that I don't know that Little Slugger is more or less powerful than he was at the beginning. Um, and it's not clear, again, you know, what it's doing is blurring the line between what is and is not Little Slugger. Because, <laughs> and we've already seen that happen where, you know, people were claiming, well, this was Little Slugger. No, it wasn't Little Slugger. You're going to blame it on Little Slugger. You know, all sorts of other things happen that get erroneously attributed to Little Slugger. And now it's very difficult to separate what is this sort of edge of your consciousness phantasm uh, that is doing real harm and run-of-the-mill ordinary activities 
um, that are terrible but really have nothing to do with it. Good. That's a good place to leave it off. Um, thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week with episode 10. And um, we have just announced that we will be covering the Nojima Shinji penned anime Wonder Egg Priority, which Yay! is currently airing. Yes, yes, Yay is correct. I'm a huge fan of Nojima Shinji's dramas. He has never done an anime before, but I've been watching it as it airs, and it's very interesting. Um, I will talk more about it in the future, but just mark it on your calendar. Uh, April 5th or so, we will be launching our fifth series. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, You can reach us at, I don't know, where can you reach us, Don? (laughs) Twitter, twitter twitter.com. I love Twitter. The hell site. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At, that's, Okashina Podcast, O-K-A-S-H-I-N-A Podcast. And um, come leave us a note. Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you want to see more of, what you don't want to hear more of. Whatever you want. Send us nudes. Don't do that. (laughs) Okashikoyo! No nudes, though. Okashikoyo, no nudes.